You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey people, welcome to Stir Crazy. I'm Steve Jenkins. Today I'm recording this message on April 1st, 2020. And it's crazy. A lot of changes have been happening day in and day out. I'm realizing when people check these episodes out, there's probably going to be a 7 to 10 day lag between when I actually gave the interview and then when I actually post the interview. Uh, As they say, life moves fast and it's really insane to see the rate at which the world and daily life has been changing. Uh, I don't know, March, I don't know how it was for you all, but March sure (laughs) felt like six years to me. But uh, anyway, how are you? Are you all holding it together? Are you staying safe and practicing social distancing? I hope so. Yesterday we lost the great trumpet player Wallace Roney. And while every, every person who dies in this pandemic, I mean, no matter who it is, it's a tragedy. But this hits a little bit closer because I have some friends that have played with Wallace. And in fact, two of them are people that I've interviewed in the past week for this podcast. Um, And I just think, you know, it's one of those situations where once you know somebody, even in a peripheral way, who dies because of this, it just makes it real in a different way. And as much as I hate to say this and start it on like a somber note, I think we're in for some dark stuff ahead. And I think we're really going to have to be there for each other. So make sure you're talking to your friends and your family. Check in with the people you know who might be a little bit more prone to anxiety and depression. Do what you got to do to stay well. Go outside. Try to, like, enjoy some of the nicer weather. It's been really nice in L.A., even though all this other stuff is going on. Um, In any case, I'm excited about today's guest. We got Damian Erskine. I talked to Damian on March 23rd. I've known Damien for almost 20 years. We went to school together at Berkeley College of Music. He's one of my good friends in this business, and sometimes we'll just chat and talk about the state of things in music or otherwise. He's also one of my favorite players. Damien's got an excellent resume. He's played with people like the WDR Big Band, Jeff Lorber, Skerrick, John Beasley, the Jaco Pastorius Big Band. He's been in Gino Vanelli's band for a long time also. And if Damien's last name sounds familiar to you, he is the nephew of the legendary drummer Peter Erskine, and they've played a lot of music together as well. Damien lives in Portland, Oregon, and when he's not playing, he also does a lot of teaching. So he teaches at Portland State University, he teaches private lessons, he does stuff on scottsbasslessons.com. Damien's also written some great instructional stuff, which you can get from his website, which is www.damienerskine.com. Also, if you're a bass player and you know the blog No Trouble, Damien had an excellent column there called Ask Damien Erskine, and he just gave really great, insightful advice. Damien's a really smart dude, and I really enjoyed our chat. Here it is. Man, thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, how's, How's stuff been going? Like, what's been happening? Oh, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Man, actually, uh, you know, it took a little acclimating, but now now this has actually been kind of a cool time. I've been getting to a lot of stuff that's been on the back burner for a while and trying to just be as productive as possible and keep keep it all on the rails. 
Yeah. So post quarantine life, I mean, how's how's that been? I remember uh, a I mean, because granted, you know, the one thing about the way I'm doing this podcast is I'm basically putting these things up in the order that I record them. And uh, obviously this thing's going to develop like over time. But I remember seeing you uh, you were you were dealing with like some some cancellations for like a teaching thing over in Asia. Um, yeah. I feel like everybody's kind of like reeling from that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was before it really hit in the States. So that was, you know, that was kind of before all the work dried up here. So I had three weeks um, at home where I wasn't working suddenly. And then that was immediately followed by all of my gigs here getting canceled. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so that was a little, that was a little rough and a little freaky. I mean, basically uh, two days after i was supposed to get back from asia and i was thinking all right cool the gigs are gonna you know gigs are happening again i woke up to uh about a dozen different gig and tour cancellations because it was really just starting to hit here yeah i had some stuff disappear on me i was fairly busy man up until the wednesday where the national emergency was declared you know and all the stuff on tv where where uh, there was like that press conference and that was it, you know. So it's like it's it's been like an interesting, interesting moment in time since then. And you know, I think stuff's gonna get weirder. So obviously, the the college is closed too, right? Because yeah, well, we're moving to remote teaching. So um, theoretically, assuming everybody decides to continue taking classes and everything, um, I'll be basically just doing like Skype and Zoom lessons with all of my students. So hopefully, hopefully they all come back and uh, we keep that keep that going that's cool what else have you been doing to pass the time like what's the uh what's the regimen are you kind of staying staying in there like mentally uh like what's the yeah definitely i mean aside from just uh trying to you know take take his take some walks and get some exercise and go out into the woods you know find some isolated spots and, and hit the trails a little bit just to keep my mind um, in one in one piece, um, I've really just been focused on trying to get productive and think about what life is going to look like after this is all up and what I'm going to be doing. So, and it, you know, this has really highlighted the need to um, not rely so heavily on just gigs for income. I was always pretty aware of income diversification and the need to, you know, have a lot of different pans in the fire. Uh, but this really got me thinking about about other stuff and i've been focusing on a you know i bought a, a final cut pro tutorial and i've been trying to learn how to do that and up my video game and you know produce more teaching content that i can post online yeah uh, i've been starting to really wrap my head around recording a trio album as soon as uh, i can get a few guys in the same room as me <laughs> yeah uh, so hopefully that'll be that'll be happening sooner than later but you don't know uh, so you, I've just been trying to, you know, keep keep my eyes on the future and, and try and come out of this in as strong a place as possible. Are you guys going to record? You got that room off of your house, right? Are you, can you record in there? Like, is it outfitted for like doing anything like that, or is it not treated really for like a trio thing? It's not really treated for a trio thing. It's it's you know it's good for rehearsals and teaching and stuff, but it's not really recording studio quality. But um, Greg Goble, the piano player, I was planning on doing this with um has a pretty nice setup at his house 
um, and he's pretty well set up for it. So I was thinking we'd do it over there. Is this the um, same band I saw you with back in January? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the trio from the Bass Bash, exactly. Probably okay. slightly different material, but same, obviously same kind of vibe. Yeah, no, you guys sounded great, man. You guys sounded great. Well, yeah, so what do you think, man? I mean, like, we've, because we're, we're roughly the same age, and, like, we've been in this thing a long time. I mean, do you think, you know, I'm not asking anybody, whenever I ask this question, I'm not expecting people to be Nostradamus, but, like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen to our industry, man? Because it just seems like, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're all sort of facing this unknown thing, and, you know, it's it's such a... I mean, I think, you know, besides just just the world is facing kind of like an like an unknown thing that probably nobody in this generation has ever seen before. But just let's go back to like the music business. Like, do you think do you think like I mean, I, I, I tend to look at this from from like an optimistic bend in some ways, but I also feel like, you know, it's it's scary because. It's like in in the click, you know. It's like Thanos basically snapped his fingers, and there's not, there's there, there's nothing. So so like, what what do you think, man? I mean, are we? Do you think the music business is gonna like morph after this? Do you think it's gonna be a a thing that makes things even scarcer when it does come back? Like, I think it's gonna make everybody a little more aware of the myriad of ways you can monetize content online because everybody's trying to scramble and think i don't know you know live streaming concerts you know whatever whatever this that translates into yeah um as well as producing more content online i think everybody's dialing further into that um i think in a lot of ways i I think the change will likely be emotional more than anything i think people um really took the gigs and uh what we were able to do for a living for granted and mm. I think uh, people are probably going to come to really appreciate what it is that we had and will hopefully have again soon. Um, you know, maybe whether that translates into just musicians being a little less cranky about every little thing that goes wrong on a gig or just, uh, you know, rediscovering the joy of playing music with people and getting to do it for a living and playing in front of audiences and really fostering the community. Um, I think people have been become a little more aware of how strong our community is and how supportive we are and try to be with each other. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I definitely think I think the mark of uh, a period of time that's challenging, like the mark of that time period being over is like when we can like I think when we can start taking for granted buying hand sanitizer and toilet paper again, I think that's <laughs> that's when you know we'll we'll have like passed some kind of like mo- uh, marker uh, with where this thing is. But yeah, I think I, you know I miss playing and it, it hasn't even been that long. You know, like I miss playing gigs and I mean I think there's there's a way that music can kind of survive all kinds of environments like it can it can sort of work in a vacuum because some people that's how they like to create like they'll spend a lot of time alone and record stuff and but i yeah i kind of miss i miss i already miss playing out man um yeah it's just sort of a weird it's a weird thing that like you know sometimes sometimes like maybe just by by the way uh things are going you know like you end up taking it granted in ways that like you know seem probably silly when you look back on it but i don't know i also think there's some stuff though like you know like maybe 
maybe people will come back and they'll be a little more considerate like with their volume you know like they'll be like you yeah. know like <laughs> <laughs> hopefully yeah <laughs> maybe like, people get will get used to playing at a lower volume at home and realize hey this is all right yeah like all of a sudden the world all the musicians have better dynamics because of <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can always hope yeah. yeah, you know it's funny, man, because I was I was getting to a place in my life where I was uh, gigging so much and and shedding for gigs so much and doing uh, so much music related stuff that honestly I was getting kind of sick of it all, um, and I felt like in a lot I felt like I was kind of hitting a critical mass where I was just like, God shit, I just need a I need a break. Like this is driving me insane. And now I mean I'm only a solid week since my last musical experience. And uh, I'm already I'm already going nuts. I'm I'm already realizing how much how much positive uh, stuff that brought to my life. Yeah, but I think there's I think you know that's a real thing, man. Like I, I I've definitely felt that that thing where you know like this is great, but certain things are not exactly fulfilling in the same way, or it's not hitting the way you know. I think. What do you think that's about? Do you think that's about you being like a creative person and like kind of just playing an instrument to serve someone else's thing? You know, even though that's a great thing, like, you know, maybe there's there's it's not that it's a shallow endeavor, but maybe like it's not like you remember that mentality everyone has when they're young where they're like, oh, I just want to play all the time. And right. then then, you know, it, it becomes this weird thing when you start to keep your lights on and feed yourself from it where it's like, well, OK, like because it's a job really, yeah it's a job and it's not that like i think that for anyone that's not a musician who's listening to this like that's not a gripe i mean you know when you we're, we've signed up to do this as like our career so of course it's a job but it's like um i think that's the thing it's like it, it music kind of kind of beckons to us because it's like we all love to do it but the minute it sort of is like yeah i gotta figure out how i'm gonna pay my bills and do stuff i mean yeah, and the longer we do that, we get we get sucked into the the minutia. You know, it's kind of like a, we, our minds get cluttered with some of the less meaningful sides of it. But yeah, we get we get a, so into this mindset of worrying about you know how full our calendar is next month and how much money we're making this month and this that and the other that uh, all of our attention is actually kind of drawn away from. Uh, the the music making part of it, and I think this this little reset we've all been forced to take is probably hopefully causing a lot of us to reevaluate those things that are actually important to us and those things that actually bring us joy and bring our lives meaning. Um, and uh, it's it at least for me, it's giving me a little bit of a chance to sort through the the junk the junk drawers of my mind, as I call it, and, and get rid of, get rid of a lot of that clutter get back to what's important yeah i mean do you think we're all going to come out on the other side of this like more focused and uh at least you know like maybe there's more purpose behind like some of the stuff um i mean i also think sometimes like the, the way the gig economy works it's like there's always a percentage of things people are doing just to stay above water you know so it's like no one's really going to cut out no one's going to cut out playing like a club date for like a few hundred bucks if it just means they're going to live a little bit better and it, it can give them time to like do the more, the more passion oriented projects that are more creative and stuff. But I just, I just feel like, you know, there's, there's 
there's there's a lot of hats you wear when when you're a hired gun, right? And so it's like hopefully hopefully the hats that you wear, you don't have to necessarily be disingenuous about like, you know, uh, yeah, bring us more appreciation for those club dates, you know. Right. Instead, instead of thinking I don't feel like schlepping all my gear and doing this thing, and oh man, I only made eighty bucks or whatever it is, um, think, you know. And I was always, I always tried to maintain this perspective. Anyway, I didn't always succeed, but I always thought, man, I just, you know, I just, I just got eighty bucks and a free meal to come, come play some tunes with really great players, um, you know, two miles from my house. You know, oh yeah, you know nothing to complain about. Yeah, I mean I think there's there's joy in in every kind of situation. Mostly, you know, like I mean that's that's the thing. But but when it I think the thing that's hard is like the work. Sometimes I think is a mental thing with with a lot of this stuff. When it when you when you hit that point where you're like okay I'm hitting a threshold here that's like I need to change something. Um, you know, I feel like even even if we are in this reset period, I think like there is a point that all of us hit in this game where things have to change or we have to change something about what we're doing to continue to proceed. You know, I feel like that's a very real part of it also. And I don't know if people are finding themselves like in a moment here where this is happening and it's kind of like concurrent with that. But I do think that's the other side of it. Like the longer people are in this, I think over time you know you you've got to move the needle somehow like you know it, it's going to get to a point where it's like you know there's more to playing than just being out every night you know um it, i think it just depends you know it's definitely like choose your own adventure in that regard you know yeah and i i know for a, a lot of us um you know i know for me i was i was keeping very busy and and in, because of that i wasn't really moving with intention in any one direction i was just kind of riding the wave and answering the phone and and going where they told me to go and making what they you know handed me at the end of the night um and now i'm definitely thinking much more about what it is i want to be doing what it is i can do to uh to realize any goals i have or foster my own development and what i even want that development to be you know what 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 do I want to be when I grow up, and what you know what directions do I want that? What do I want that to look like? And now I'm you know thinking with much more intention about what that looks like and what I can do to manifest it. Right. Well, let me ask you this. This is sort of a headier question. Um, what do you think? Like, you know, it's all you always hear about, uh, like from a historical uh, perspective, like how artists and musicians sort of they. You know, like on the Titanic, for example, like the band kept playing for a while, even when they knew it was going to hit the iceberg. Like, what's our role in this moment? Like, are we supposed to, like, entertain folks? I mean, I feel like a lot of us are just kind of trying to figure out how we're going to take care of ourselves. But, you know, when we kind of hit a satur- like a settling point where it's like, all right, we're in the middle of this thing that we're dealing with. Like, what, what do, do musicians and artists have any responsibility to the people while this is going on? Like, and what do you think that is? I think well, I think likely that'll manifest um, in the future a little bit. I think in a, you know, in an ideal um, with in an ideal world, art is really there to reflect the times, um, both the good and the bad, whatever's happening in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of what art of any kind does, really. At the end of the day, um, so. 
I, th- I think I don't know that we have any responsibility to try and um, do anything other than um, think a little more deeply about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and uh, you know, trying to get to a purer place with the creation of of our art, whatever that is. Um, I might not be the best person to speak on that because I've never necessarily been high-minded about the way what my role is in the world. Right, right. You know, I've always just thought, man, I just I like playing bass more than I like doing most anything else. So let me see if I can do that for a living. And I never perceived myself as this uh, artist who had a had a voice that needed to be heard necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like from from the perspective that I think most of us have, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it, I think, it, you know, in, in our natural habitat, we're not thinking about it from like a pretentious standpoint, but I just think ultimately, you know, um, like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I feel like, I feel like it's definitely one of those things where it would be weird to see what people create in the wake of this. And if, and if it doesn't have like, you know, some dark themes and some light themes. I mean, cause it's, you know, there's a very, very strong existential component to this whole thing. And so I always wonder like, is that going to be reflected at all? And like, you I'm know. sure it will by, by those that are creating from a deeply personal space. Um, this, this can't not have an effect. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of folks who just try and write, you know, a tune called COVID-19 and it might, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But for those, for those people, you know, whether they're painters or musicians or whoever, who, who create from a deeply personal space and, uh, you know, put their emotions into what it is that they're doing in a, in a more meaningful way, this can't help but have an effect on, on what comes out of it. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's probably like, the way I see it too. Um, I mean, I've been seeing people talk about, well, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the Black Plague or whatever. And dude, I haven't read, I haven't read King Lear. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Dune dude. right now, though. That's a pretty, pretty fucking cool book. Um, yeah. Like halfway through it. All right, man. I should give it another shot. I, you know, yeah, I'm a, you and I both are kind of science fiction junkies. I've been, I read a ton. Yeah. And I started trying to read Dune. I got like 50 pages into it, and I was like, "Man, this is gonna take this." I don't know, man. This is just, this is just. I just read three pages, and the guy hasn't even walked through the hallway yet. This is gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was intimidated by Dune when I was younger because I noticed that there was a glossary in the back, and I'm like, "Okay, that's a that's a lot, man." Like, I mean, I think I was not even like 13, you know, and I guess yeah. like. My my foray into science fiction was sort of like, I mean, I don't think Star Wars is really science fiction. I think it's more like science fantasy. But like, I feel like all the real um, abstract stuff from that you need to know is pretty much like they kind of hold your hand as they explain it. You know, like it's not very heady, but right. but but like Frank Herbert, it's like there's like a there's like a glossary and there's all these things, and it's like whoa, what? Like what? What? What the fuck? I gotta go look this up again. Like right. you're like seventy pages in. Like I found myself doing that, but I guess now that I have an appreciation for like like solid world building and just you know like a premise and that where there's a real commitment to it. And plus everyone is like in love with that book. It's like, well, I'm going to 
give it you know this is like maybe the third time i've tried to read it but it's stuck so i'm pretty i'm pretty into it nice Um, i should give it another shot i've been reading the malazan series uh lately and that's that's kind of the same way it very much doesn't hold your hand through the story you know i like i mean i'm not afraid of long books i read most everything brandon sanderson's ever wrote and a lot of his books are a thousand pages Um, but but he kind of he kind of leads you through, and there's you know things keep moving, and that there's a there's a pace, and I think maybe who knows maybe I've gotten to a point where I can, I can uh, I don't need to be led through the story quite as much as I used to. I'll give Dune another shot. Yeah, I mean, didn't you read? Did didn't you tell me like you read like a hundred books in like a year or something like? Uh, yeah, some... hundred and sixty last year. Holy shit, man! Is that was that just like? on a kindle uh or did you literally have do you literally have like a structure in your house that's made from those 160 books <laughs> no I, i've become a kindle junkie okay um, yeah i used i used to maintain the library and then i you know before i was a homeowner i was renting and moving too up much and eventually i was just like i'm not carrying this shit around anymore um but yeah now i've now i've got the kindle just like loaded and i'm you know between the kindle unlimited and my uh library they would they have a ton of digital content and just, oh, that's I cool just, i just plow through stuff that's awesome man um well okay so you're you're another thing i was going to ask because i know a lot of people are probably cons- everyone i've talked to kind of low-key is like man i really don't want to gain weight during this uh coronavirus thing man like because you know there's not a ton of stuff at least where i am i don't know are they doing safety in place yet in portland because here gyms are closed They've they just shut down like the uh, a lot of the trails and mountains because they just found that too many people weren't heeding the safety at home guidelines. Uh, right. So um, what what would you what would you say uh, to people like what's what's like two simple things people can do to really like, uh, you know, one, not blow through their rations. and like because i i feel like you know i I went when i was going out shopping like for stuff and i tried to be like really really like intelligent about my choices but it was like you know like one of the lines was kind of down the cereal aisle and it's like well you know man i haven't had fucking honeycomb in a while but i'm not (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know i didn't buy it i didn't buy it and uh yeah, yeah, I've been trying to be good. My wife's been been kind of snack packing lately, and we, she's been getting more stuff I wouldn't normally get. But I'm just like maintaining the discipline. Um, yeah, you know, I'm definitely not trying not to board eat as much as possible. And I've still we have the uh, people here have been pretty good about self quarantining. I mean, everything's basically closed. All the gyms are closed. Everything's closed. They've done that. Um, they're 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 getting really close to doing the uh, uh, you know in place quarantine because people are just the you know the parks. I went to the park the other day to go get some hiking in, and it was just jam packed with people. I was like, holy crap! It's actually easier to walk on the street than it is to walk on the park. Yeah. Um, I've just been getting out and mapping out routes through my neighborhood and like walking like five miles a day, and you know body weight exercises, just push ups and. I have an exercise bike, so if nothing else, you know, if we get to the point where we're not allowed to leave our house and houses anymore, I'll just I'll definitely be riding that exercise bike more. That's cool. Yeah. Um, right on, man. Well, what about this? Like, do you have any book 
record or movie recommendations for the uh, for the quarantine? I'm asking people this because, like, one, I'd like to know, and two, I'm, I'd like to see what people are checking out. Uh, <clears throat> musically speaking, uh, Matheny's new record from this place mm-hmm. is pretty fucking deep. I'm I'm really loving it. Um, and I was I was getting to a place where I was like, you know, I always loved Matheny, but I like wasn't in a place where I had wanted to listen to him in quite a while. Yeah. Um, I just said, you know, I had too much of that sound and everything was great, but it all kind of sounded like Matheny. And this this new album definitely sounds like Matheny, but it's there's some really great stuff on there. And the orchestrations are totally killing. Um, That's so, cool. Who's in the band? Like, is it? Well, it's uh, uh, Linda O and Antonio Sanchez and. Um, Crap, I'm forgetting the piano player's name. It was a European guy I wasn't familiar with. Okay. And then um, then there's strings. Somebody, I forget the, the uh, fancy well-known arranger who did the string orchestrations. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. That's cool. I just listened to, for the very first time, uh, One Quiet Night, which is that solo guitar thing he did. And I think it's from... Yeah, I think it's from 2003, and um, I don't know, man. Maybe I was just worn down from the news, but that shit, that shit hit me pretty hard. I thought it's it was a. a pr- it's a beautiful yeah. fucking album. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was. I mean, it definitely. I felt better for having listened to it when it was over, but it was definitely. You know, it's. I feel in a weird way like we're. You know, a lot of us. You know, like I live alone, man. I feel like a, that sounds like. It really does sound like someone just sat up in their hotel room and recorded a bunch of stuff. I think that's how he did it. Like I think it, I think I remember that being the story. I hope I might be wrong about that, but um, like he was using like one of those like portable digital recorders, like a VS eight eighty or something. Or maybe I don't think it was. We were in the era of like laptop recording as people do it now, but it was something like that. Like it was sort of like. You know, because there's, you're not dealing with a band. It's just one instrument. You know, it was like sort of a, a portable mobile recording situation. But yeah, that record's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, any books? Like, um, let's see, let's see. Yeah, there's a um, a series by an author it goes by T. Frohawk, F. R. O. H. O. C. K. Mm-hmm. Um, called uh, called Los Nephilim. Uh, oh. it's, it's pretty 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 great I, I got into that and just kind of plowed through all of them it takes place in spain um kind of kind of angels and demons and vampires but not really it's like it's one of those books where when you try and explain it it sounds really dumb and fantastic but when you read it it just feels really like it's just a great book and it's really well written and really kind of dark and heady oh that's cool uh any movies that you've seen yeah. recently no no, I don't really watch anything. I don't even have Netflix anymore. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've been... Uh, well, actually, but the last movie I really dug, I saw on a flight okay. um, not that long ago. It was uh, Once Upon a Time in Los Angeles or Hollywood or something like that. The, the, oh, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Quentin yeah, Tarantino. yeah. That, I thought was way better. I mean, I always loved his movies, but I for some reason I didn't expect much out of that one, but I loved that movie. Yeah, I need to see it. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I'm a Quentin fan. I think some of the later stuff has been sort of hit or miss, but, um, you know, by and large, like he's, I think he's like a great director and he puts together good stuff. I I've been trying to kind of temper, uh, 
the stuff I've been watching because I just know there's gonna be a point where it's like, all right, fine, I'll watch, you know, I'll watch some show that like I've heard about for years. Um, I definitely know that we'll be at the brink of apocalypse if I start watching Friends, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know what's funny? Do you know? Um, God, I don't even know if I should out him on. You know, a uh, Vardan of Sepian. Uh, I know who he is, man, but I've never met him. Yeah, the dude is like one of the, the I mean, the the dude is just pure poetry. Like, you know, everything he does is like from the center of his heart. He puts his being in everything he does. Uh-huh. And I remember we were on a plane once together and like he interrupted the conversation because friends came on the, uh, the little screen there and he just had to watch. Apparently it's his favorite show of all time. He just watches it over and over and over again. Wow. <laughs> Which I, I still don't know how to how to put that together in my mind, like this deep, full of meaning, um, you know, fantastically smart and articulate and capable and hyper artistic guy. And his favorite thing is friends. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of a lot of people like that show, man. I just remember there was definitely a period of time in my life and I'm going to say it started around 1995 sometime around when friends started although i don't believe i would blame friends for this per se but like i basically stopped watching tv for like five years and mm-hmm. and i think it was because i saw two episodes of friends and um i just i got rid of my tv right after that it's like <laughs> this, is, this is so stupid man um but i was also like heavy and that was when i was really into my like fusion jedi snob phase where i was like really working hard on like trying to play you know fast shit on the base or complicated stuff on the base and that just seemed infinitely more important than like that show and the premise of that show um just yeah and it's like completely antithetical in every in every way to the those two realities (laughs) right i mean and and at least i was half accurate nobody cares about that stuff even now Right. I will tell you the biggest piece of shit. I was just on the, uh, on actually just like two nights ago, I was on the bike and I was like, oh man, I'll just watch something, you know, it's easier than reading on the bike, exercise bike. And so I whipped open uh, my Amazon Prime and I was flipping through the shows and I was like, oh, there's a new Kevin Smith movie. Um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that is the biggest hunk of shit I've <laughs> Oh wow! I only got like half an hour or forty-five minutes into it, and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I was trying to stick it through. And what's funny is my wife had apparently started watching it the same night, laying on the couch. Uh huh. And like, after I was done writing, I was sitting at the table, and she came in. She's like, "Man, I just tried to watch that new Kevin Smith movie. That's the biggest piece of shit." Oh wow! So I, you know, I love Kevin Smith. I don't mean to dog him, but that that thing, that was rough. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I I love Kevin Smith too, man. And I I'm a fan of the way he just conducts himself and and his his uh, candor and like his enthusiasm for the stuff that you know. Because I love the Marvel stuff, and um, even though I love I, was, I love the guy, and I love I love most of his movies. I've really dug everything. It's just that one was uh, he phoned it in on that one. Yeah, I I haven't seen it, man. I I think you know it's one of those things where maybe I'll get to it, maybe I won't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been like an interesting it's been like an interesting uh, process to kind of think about what haven't I watched yet? You know, have I seen this? And right. um, I'm gonna sort of like 
temper that but like i've been trying to be you know besides this podcast i'm working on music i just got a sampler and so i'm like gonna be working on some weird stuff and i'm gonna try to maybe do some live stream playing uh in the near future but i want to sort of like you know i'm like i'm slow with stuff man i like to beta test things and i have like a weird perfectionist bend which has slowly been eroding because you know we you know taking time for granted is kind of a weird thing now but um I yeah. finally, I finally hit an age where I, I kind of don't care what people think anymore. It's beautiful. Although yeah. I will, I will say, man, there's a learning curve with the live streaming thing. I was just dorking around here in my little, in my little studio shed space, and um, I thought, oh, I'll just throw on Facebook Live. And I thought I had it set up all right, and I, you know, I was going through my interface. I have a little focus right eight channel interface mm-hmm. and i was playing along the tracks and i had all kinds of stuff going on in addition to the bass and then when i checked the video later it was nothing but bass <laughs> <laughs> i bet it was know, great though <laughs> i bet it was it w- great it would have been way better if you could have heard what i was playing along with <laughs> wow that's great man um well i mean i think there's got to be a way to like you know like uh test test run it somehow uh but, but I was, yeah, I was, I was fly by night in it. I just kind of hit the button and looked at it, you know, had the right interface chosen for audio uh, source. But uh, apparently it was only taking one channel of the audio source. Oh, that's weird, man. Well, I think that's going to be, you know, we're going to see a lot more of that. Didn't you just do some kind of live stream concert with Skerrick or was I imagining that? No, that was the real thing. That was the last musical thing I did. That was last Sunday. OK, uh, we had a. Uh, just a little five-day Northwest run. Um, did the gig in Portland, did a gig in Eugene, Oregon, and then um, most of us were kind of like, uh, this is pretty dumb. Like, we should stop. Like, you know, it's just no no, no space. Everybody's just crowding around. And it was like, it just felt like we were just contributing um, in a negative way to the world. <laughs> Not musically, just, you know, health-wise. We, like, we can't, we got to stop getting all these people together and we need to stop being around them. Yeah. Um, so we canceled the rest of the gigs. One of, some of the clubs were canceling anyway because Washington got hit a lot harder than Oregon. Well, they got hit earlier than Oregon. Yeah. Um, but uh, Skerrick had a bunch of homies in uh, Seattle and his Barry player buddy um, had started that live concerts.stream page mm-hmm. and was just getting it up and running so yeah so they came over and we just met at Scarrick's house in Seattle um, he has a nice uh, rehearsal space in the backyard there and we just rocked it and it actually it was really successful it went really well um, surpassed the goal he was he was hoping to hit financially with the tip jar thing oh that's great and had a good time but of course afterwards it's like good lord that was that was 10 people in a in a you know maybe a three or four hundred square foot room let's not do that again so that was the last big group i've been a part of right yeah i mean i it's funny man the last you're my second guest on here the first guest i had was uh matt rubano who's like a really good friend of mine have you met matt he's a great bass player i haven't met him yet okay yeah he's cool um funny guy it was his birthday um a week ago or a week and a half ago and he his girlfriend threw him a surprise party and that was like the last the last group thing i had been to and even at that like everybody was pretty pretty conscious of like the um the social distancing, social distancing yeah and 
before that, like the last couple gigs I did, um, I was playing with Mark Letary and like that was before the that was before the emergency shit was put into place. But it was like I was shaking hands and then running to the bathroom and washing my hands, like just you know, like yeah. We were, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I, I the one thing about Nam 2020 that I feel like somehow uh, was interesting, and I'm not I because I've never thought the hand sanitizer was like that big a deal like i've heard various things that like okay it's bad for your hands because it kills the ph levels and shit but uh nonetheless dan uh d'angelico had at their booth they have like a little tub or a little like bowl of like these little hand sanitizer bottles and i went twice and took i had two of them and in between every interaction I had at Nam, I like hand sanitized myself, and then yeah. I've just been kind of taking it with me. But like, yeah, I, it didn't take me long to have the same conclusion you did, where it's like, oh, this shit's this is bad news, man. Because like people want to come up and talk, and like the protocol is like, you know, it'd be nice and talk, but you know, and and shoot the shit with people that want to talk about music, but like. Yeah, and you're, a, you're in a club and they're putting their head right next to yours so you can hear each other. And it's just, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 weird, man. So I was I was a little bit. I, I mean, we were cut. This was a couple weeks away from where we're at now, but even then, I mean, I don't I don't tend to run towards the uh, what do you call it? Like the conspiracy the conspiracy theory thing, right? But it's definitely. Um, I definitely feel like. I saw the signs pointing to all this a couple of weeks before, you know, because um, I went to Target. I noticed the toilet paper looked a little bit low. Um, so right. I bought some. I bought some, not really out of fear. And then on that same visit, like I was looking for a thermometer and then I ended up like not finding one. And that freaked me out because it's like no one had really been told anything yet. <laughs> Uh, right. aside from like just following the news. So I went home and then I ultimately couldn't sleep that night. And I woke up around one 30 in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to drive to the CVS on Ventura and Laurel Canyon. Cause they're open 24 hours. I'm going to get a fucking thermometer. And so right. I went there and they had them and then, you know, now you can't get one. So it's like, it's, it's just weird, dude. I mean, I feel like the theatrical version of idiocracy was way better than this shit right now. <laughs> right. You know, um, but we're just gonna have to see how it plays out, man. Yeah, but, I feel uh, bad. I was I was teasing my mom like two weeks ago. She was like, "This stuff from Asia, this is gonna come over here." And you know, she was she ordered some extra gloves and um, got a you know an extra little box of those N95 masks. And I was totally teasing her like, "Oh, Jesus, you're just you know you're just bored and shopping on Amazon. It's not the apocalypse. We'll be fine." And now I'm just like, "Oh, good lord! I wish I could get some." you know supplies and yeah all that stuff and now i'm telling you know i'm telling them don't leave your house let me go grocery shopping for you you know yeah because it's, it's real I, I know two people that have gotten sick now one's still in a hospital in boston oh no yeah and, and not 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 doing real well and you know young and healthy and everything <clears throat> and it's, it's like it's no joke and actually i just my my phone just dinged my mom texted me and said uh oregon officially put into effect the stay-at-home order oh wow man so yeah it's getting real out there yeah well look man i appreciate you um talking to me on here um it was great to catch up and get an idea of what's what's happening on your end um so in any case man be well and hang in there 
Yeah, you too, man. Thank you so much, and uh, it's always good to hang. But nice to appreciate you doing this podcast. This will be a lot of good info and some interesting conversations for folks. Yeah, it should be cool, man. Be sure to check Damien out online at www.damienerskin.com. If you want to know more about me, you can go to my website, www.stevejenkinsbase.com. You can also find me on Instagram. The handle there is at Steve Jenkins, and you can find me on Twitter at SJBassPlayer. Be well, folks. <laughs>